This is the Ironside Podcast, number 45, with me, Brett Kane. Also joining me is a true warrior and hero and friend of mine, the Pine Draugr. Welcome aboard, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's great having you on, man. You know, I've, I've uh, followed you online for a long time. You've got just top-notch posts. You got great insight. You're, you're a funny, down-to-earth experienced guy and you've just got it all one of my favorite things that you said recently and you've posted some great photos of you out uh, in the woods on the dirt bike and you said dress for the job you want not the job you have (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah Uh, I definitely have some personal mottos that's one I like to stick to so you know I obviously you anonymity is is uh paramount but what what growing up uh made you the way you are man i ask myself that question every day <laughs> no uh um uh, pretty fortunate that i grew up with a father that was uh huge in the outdoors this man could put all of his energy and time and his all of his passion always comes around deer season every year and that is his is, is just an outdoors guy cut and dry hunting fishing that was his shit or sorry i don't mean to swear uh that was his thing all his life ever since he was uh i don't know maybe even six seven years old and i remember when he took me hunting i think i was like eight years old when i first got like my first squirrel and i think i was 10 when i first got my first deer uh but that's just kind of how it was on my dad's side of the family that was just that was just the culture like the night and day was just hunting outdoors nothing else mom's side was like completely opposite my mom was kind of like a girly girl didn't necessarily like that as much and we kind of we grew up in the in the suburbs but my dad always like whenever I mean we weren't rich but whenever we uh would have our little vacations it was just camping it was just finding a campground park and going there like that was most of my summers um and we're fortunate enough that my my grandfather has a little bit of property uh up north where we live just in the middle of nowhere and that's like my happy place in my mind. Like I spent many years, my childhood there. And I was just there this last weekend. That's where those pictures were taken. Just as like the middle of nowhere, no one's at. And it's just, it's just a playground for a kid and, and for an adult, as you can see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it was it's really how I was raised. I've met people that were raised the opposite, that were just in the city their entire lives. And uh, like the coworkers, and you know, I would be chit chat, and they like, "What would you like to do?" And I explained this, and they just can't wrap their minds around the idea of just sleeping overnight somewhere that's outside. Like they look at me like I'm the uh, the crazy guy because I like to do that, and it's 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 like a culture shock for some people, and I don't understand it. There's like nowhere else I'd like to be. And I totally agree, and and that's so awesome. And you know, the coolest thing, you know, I, I look at my dad, and he's just like a superhero, and. He, he grew up on a farm and, and then we, we lived in a suburb of Chicago growing up and you know, all of our vacations, we, we'd go out, we'd go camping. I had a family cabin on a lake in Minnesota. And then we moved when I was 13 to uh, rural Washington state. So whole different, you know, we got the ocean, we got mountains and I just loved it. I mean, outdoors is so important and it's crazy. Yeah. Like you said, there are so many people uh, that just have no uh, frame of reference for the wilderness. And 
you know, I look at, you know, people like our fathers and it seems like they could do so much with comparatively little. I mean, you look at all like the high speed gear that they give to outdoorsy people now. And, you know, our dads definitely didn't have that growing up. Do you think like the advances in technology are, are good for, you know, outdoorsmen or, or is it, you know, making us softer? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both, definitely softer. Um, and I also think it distracts people and it, it always leads people into clamping when they mean, you know, when they want to camp, it ends up clamping, they end up doing all kinds of things that just make it more comfortable. And I think the beauty with camping is being uncomfortable, you know, just kind of going outside your comfort zone for X amount of time and enjoying it and roughing it for those reasons. But uh, it's funny you bring that up because because I got a nicer, newer tent that I like, and it was kind of like a newer design that we were trying out. And this last week and it rained on us and uh, it started leaking through. And it was supposed to be waterproof. I was talking to my dad. Uh, we got breakfast yesterday. And he was like, oh, what's, it, what's it made out of? I'm like, yeah, it's mainly canvas, but the, uh, the, uh, where it's stitched in, it's got the uh, sealant on it. He was like, oh, yeah, we grew up with just canvas tarps. He's like, you just get a paint bucket of sealant and you just run it all over. You know, <laughs> like that was just his, like that's how they roughed it. They roughed it all the time. He said they had the same canvas tarp for like 10, 15, like 10, seven years, something like that. And like that's how they did it. And like just even comparing, what I think I'm doing is bare minimum. What they were doing when they were children was way more bare minimum. So it's just the idea that I'm coming with a cooler full of groceries out there was just, it's still like twice as much as what they were doing. And they'd go out there, he'd, uh, him, his two brothers and my grandfather would just go out there for days at a time and just rough it out. And I've always admired that. And it's funny how, like, I really grew into just loving the culture of mountain men, you know, like in the 1800s and all that, and like you glass and Jim Bridger and whatnot. And they, they I, I don't know why that, I don't know why that just, these are just the absolute manly men. And they to them, they were just living, they were just doing. And I just, I, I don't know. I've always looked up to them because they are the absolute like roughest guys in American culture, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree. You know, obviously uh, it, Americans are, are well known for the cowboy tradition, which is great, but I think we really missed the boat. And I wish that the mountain men were the iconic Western figure in, in you yep. know, more so than, than the cowboy. Not that there's anything yep. wrong with that. Yeah, no, I love the Westerns as well, but yeah, they uh, like, that's why I love the Revenant so much. Like for the longest time, that is my number one. It's still kind of is. It's my number one hero movie. There is nothing else like it. Oh, like, totally. When you when you think of Mountain Men movie, that's literally it. Besides Jeremiah Johnson, Livery and Johnson. Yeah, like, exactly. I can't think of many other options that are out there. Yeah, no, for for real, and and I think it, it's it's something that's so untapped. Uh, you know, obviously, like there's tons of Western novels, like the Pulp Fiction, like that. That was the the mainstay of the cowboys, but you know, there there's not much on on the Mountain Men. Did uh, did you ever read the book The Revenant? Uh, here and there when I was on deployment. Unfortunately, oh. I didn't get to finish it. Yeah. But I do need to pick it up. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's a great read. I haven't seen the film yet. So, you know, you've seen the film and, and haven't finished the book. And I've seen a little bit of the film and, and have read the book. So we got to gotta yep. combine. combine obviously, it. obviously, I heard the book is better. Um, and then I know the movie did kind of just go their own way, certain certain aspects. So I'm sure you'll notice that when you watch it. Oh yeah. And you know, but I think it really promotes the principle and, and it shows like 
this this is so hard and and there are people nowadays who would just crumple at any one of those challenges you know let alone and all of man them. if they walk if they walked up to walmart and it was closed their whole week would be <laughs> like these guys would go days without eating <laughs> praying to god that a tra- you know an animal walks across their trap or something yeah it's uh real. we're 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 due for a reality check soon it, it'll happen a matter of time unfortunately but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really uh shocking for people oh i totally agree and and like you were saying earlier about the glamping and, and I, it really is a two-edged sword because i love to see you know city folk and and you know indoor people get outside uh even if it is with you know all this high-tech stuff um but yeah it's definitely making people softer and you know people will buy you know these 300 pair of uh fancy uh hiking boots or whatever not want to get them dirty you know or, yeah. or they're just yep. you know jumping around puddles and whatnot <laughs> uh, for uh, from oh no go ahead no no you go you got it you got it i was just gonna say that this last year uh for my wife's birthday i i took her hiking and we were in Oregon, it was pouring rain, you know, uh, late September, and uh, there were a ton of salmon. It was during the salmon run. So we just saw hundreds of uh, these huge salmon in oh, the river. Awesome. Oh, it was so cool. And it was pouring rain and we hiked. It was, it was a pretty treacherous trail, you know, uh, and we, we got to the spot and we wanted to get to this waterfall and the whole river swollen. Uh, with the rain and there was some logs you know across these rocks and I'm like okay I'm gonna see if you know I can just walk across this I put one foot on fell right in and you know we just got <laughs> soaked and and that was cool you know and like you were saying uh, the good thing about it is you put yourself in these uncomfortable situations that are still you know mostly controlled you know it wasn't like we had a car we could go back to it's just you know a few miles away so we weren't yeah. going to have to spend the night out there, but it, it was uncomfortable. Um, but that's how you feel alive. Yeah, I've, I've talked about that a while ago, and I don't talk about it enough anymore. But suffering is one of the most beautiful things a human being can do. And we I mean, I'm telling you, like we most majority of people just live nothing but for comfort. And there are so many issues with that. Like every time you have the opportunity to drag yourself through the bottom, take it. I have like every time that I've had those experiences for myself, whether it's, you know, more than just a night in the woods or something like that. And just like emotionally, physically, mentally, I am at rock bottom. It is always the most beautiful thing because you never know how good you have it. You never know how good it is until you have those moments. You know, you, I think everyone really needs them. It doesn't have to be extreme as you know what I'm saying, but it really builds nothing else builds character more than a little bit of suffering. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the best spices of life. You know, you get adventure, you get some suffering, you get some hardship uh, is yeah, obviously I, I don't want to go too personal. So it can certainly be physical, but is there a particular experience that, that you'd like to share where, you know, you, you suffered just, just the, a little bit. Uh, most recent. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll just say most recent was probably the deployment I went on a couple of years ago only because it was one of those where the uh i was navy i was stationed on an aircraft carrier and uh living on boats for a long period of time it you know it it changes everyone whether it's temporary or not 
because it's almost like a prison sentence just the way it is like you know you just don't have a lot of freedom depending on the chain of command you have it can be very uh just psychological on you and uh and there's just a lot of times we just feel like you're trapped you don't have any options and we went on a deployment that was supposed to be six months there was no mission we were moving bases and it was supposed to be almost luxurious they were like oh we're gonna do all these awesome ports there was people leaving their commands to volunteer to come to this deployment just because they know they'd see the world and uh this was my first one so i was pretty excited about it this was in uh 2019 and this is when iran was doing all that uh that uh, kooky crap where they were blowing up oil rigs in the middle of the ocean and it was really high tensions and whatnot. And that's when uh, president Trump wanted like our, cause we were like, it was just convenient timing. We we're uh, just, we just left Spain. We were pour- porting into uh, where was that Croatia that next day when all this happened and we did a big fat U-turn, the whole strike group. And we were posted outside the Arabian sea for like, what was supposed to be a six month deployment turned into like a 10 and a half month deployment. And at the time before all COVID happened at the time, that was the longest ship deployment since the cold war. And what was happening was after, I think it was around like, that was, that was probably after two months. So it was supposed to be six months and we, we were just, we were just hanging out there. And uh, usually on a regular deployment, you're porting every three, four weeks, you know, you're getting a break every three, four weeks, you're going into some really cool spot, maybe couple days you know you're getting a little you're stressed out you know you get back on you go back to work uh this they were stretching the number every time 30 45 days without stop uh we were running missions uh we were doing some there was still some isis around hanging out in afghanistan so we're still doing flight ops all the time uh but yeah it was uh what happened was they had kept saying one thing and then last minute changing it and then extending it so uh, there, there was people killing themselves and I'm not exaggerating and I won't give any details, but yeah, there was people uh, killing themselves. And I remember there's this one moment and this is a true story. This guy, uh, the, the captain would get, get over the loudspeaker and let everyone know, you know, at least once a day what was going on. And uh, you know, there's a rumor that he was going to let us know if we we're going home or not. This was after like eight months, you know, two months after being extended. And he had got on and said that we were going to be extended another month. And there was a guy in the hangar bay, the inside of the uh, aircraft carrier. And as he heard that, had ran off the side of the ship and jumped in the water. At nighttime, that is suicidal. It was in the middle of the day, though. But, I mean, I've jumped off the side of the uh, hangar bay willingly for, for a swimming call. And that's a huge drop. That is a huge drop. And this guy just dove off. Just full willingness, like if, if, as if that was just a person jumping off a building. And then the guy was put on suicide watch the remaining of that deployment. So it, it like that, it can be handled very differently for everyone. I'm usually good about tenseness, stress, all that. I usually handle it very well, but I mean, there'd be times like in the middle of the night laying in my rack and just being like, when the, when will this end? And it just kept going on and on and on without any breaks. And I feel, I feel like in that moment, I recognize that as like my, my mental and like psychological rock bottom. You know, I wasn't going to throw myself off the side of the boat, no. But I just remember being like, just felt so defeated. And this is right around when I was reading a lot of good books, too, and getting really educated on, like, just male mental health, uh, fitness. This is when I was, like, the biggest I ever was, uh, just working out. Like, I was doing everything right, you know. 
and it still was just dragging me down and it wasn't just me it was like everybody so that that gloomy attitude and behavior was just everyone so it was like a dark spot you know so i mean i'd say that's my rock bottom and then ever since i got out and i kept saying it in the moment like man after this is over life's candy lane it's gonna be easy and it's funny because i kind of like agree like I, I was thinking about this other day from work i'm like man i feel for those guys they're out there right now like i feel for them because like i I've, i'm just every day is still better than being you know trapped on that situation so that 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 suffering and that rock bottom just brings so much gratitude, so much perspective that people do not have, that people really need to get. And that's that's incredible. And and of course, you know, thank you. It, it means a lot. You know what what you've done and and what you're doing and and what you will do. And and I think that you know, the hardest thing for people is when their expectations are subverted. You know, if, you know, maybe you wouldn't have had everybody, you know, super excited to go, but if, if it had been laid out what you guys were going to do from the get-go, it, it might've been more bearable. So it would have been hard, but maybe more bearable, but it sounds like just the constant changes that, you know, that is, you, you nailed it hundred percent. Cause that's what everyone's saying. That was exactly what I was saying in the moment. I was like, it would be one thing if they told us it was going to be this long and this is what would be happening. So we could at least prepare ourselves like, oh, okay, this is going to suck. And then you go into it. But the constant letdowns, the constant not knowing, that was, that was, the, that was the worst part. That's exactly what you said. And I, I think that that's such a good example. So obviously you were, you were reading good books. You were staying strong. You, know, you obviously are someone who, who's physically and mentally and spiritually resilient and tough. But what, what could other people do you think have done or can they do to kind of mitigate that despair uh, or, or prepare for, for things like that? Or how, how did you go? Did you have like a long-term vision or were you just like, I just need to make it to chow or I just need to make it to the next day? <laughs> Uh, man, I think I tell you, there was like one thing that I was just constantly doing all deployment. And it was like, because, you know, you don't get, you don't get any phone service out there. And, uh, but I would just look on my phone and I would look at pictures. Just, excuse me. All the pictures from that. We had just taken to Spain. Cause that like three, four days we had in Spain, was like the best time of my life. And then just literally pictures of up north pictures i've been in the middle of the woods just like everything not even necessarily people it was mainly views because uh, there was as i was on nights for so long and it was like i'd go 28 days without seeing the sun there and then it got to the point where i'd stay up late lose sleep just so i can go see the sun and then like i remember when we did port somewhere in the middle of the desert and we went to this little spot that had like trees and whatnot i'm like i can't remember the last time i've seen natural green and just appreciating that so much. So, I mean, like, I don't know. And like how to, how to mitigate and whatnot. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying everyone has to do that exact same experience to get there or to get that perspective, but just, uh, I don't know. Don't, don't shy away from hardship. If it comes your way, I'd say just take it full force. I, like I, you don't have yeah. a choice. Yeah, Exactly. You know, so you you might as well just just uh, 
enjoy it somehow or, or you know, find a, a glimmer of hope or just knuckle down. And, and I like that. It, it sounds like you really savor the little things and that the time in Spain carried you forward and those pictures, you know, that, that grounded you. So I think that's a really cool example. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily a short-term guy to get back on that. I was, uh, I mean, that's kind of just how it was. I was, oh, I was like counting. That's not how crazy this is. I would count down hours. I'd break it down. It's like, okay, what, well, you know, after, before we were getting extended and whatnot, I'd be like, okay, this is when we're supposed to go. And I have like a, a timer in my phone and I'd be like, all right, this is like the days, months, you know, whatnot, weeks. I'd add all that up into days. And I'm like, okay, well, if I sleep at least eight hours a day, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if I spend like maybe half an hour in the bathroom every day and then chow, add that up. And I'm like, well, that's only these many hours. It's really, I'm only consciously here for half amount of time that I think I am. Like, that's how it's almost like I was desperate just trying to look for a corner because I'm surprisingly a half full kind of guy. Surprisingly, not very cynical and pretty uh, optimistic about things. And that's kind of how I looked at it. It was just like, I'm looking for any edge to make myself feel a little bit better about just the current situation. And that's, that's what people got to do about any situation. There is always something to pull away from like crap. You know, there's always one thing you take away from anything that's positive. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Always at least one thing. And, you know, when, uh, you know, at, at, on drill weekends, I, I was much older than, than the, uh, the national guard kids. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd be, you know, overnight with, uh, the, these, you know, 17, 18 year old kids. And I'm, you know, almost, it was when I was almost 30 and, and it was so funny to, to see that because, you know, I, people's experiences and, and their outlook really, really affects how they comport themselves. And I think that if more people spent more time outdoors, that would change their perspectives faster than than just about any other environmental factor that they could do uh, because you can't turn on a light switch you can't adjust the thermostat you know you you can't uh you know close a door and block out the wind you know you just you really can't control very much uh when when you're outdoors except what you're doing yeah that's that's the one big problem that our generation has is that they can't accept not having control when things are out of their grips and it is just happening. They want to just drop it, quit, leave. Like they do not want to be not in control. And that was the, that was the cool thing about, well, not necessarily a cool thing, but one thing to take away from like, you know, two, three generations ago, there's a reason why we are like this now. And there's a reason why three, you know, two, three generations ago, those people were so hardy, so rough and hard about, you know, just, they went through, the depression whatnot they like they, you know you never see those people complain about anything because they went through the worst of it so every day is better you know after you go through the worst of it it's just it's all, everything's uphill and nobody barely had anyone has anything to compare like their worst days are very minimal crap you know yeah exactly you know i, I was thinking about it, so and and this isn't to equate your experience at all uh with with mine because you are uh, light years ahead of me, but when I was uh, 19, I, I was a missionary 
uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I was in Peru, and I was in some, you know, really, you know, Peru is an awesome place. It was, it was really cool, uh, but it was, you know, a bit of a culture shock, and I was in these really remote areas in the jungle, and we're like, we're sleeping in hammocks and everything, and I was there for two years, and I remember leaving, and two years just seemed like an impossibly long time for me, but then, you know, uh, we, every, the first Sunday of every month, we, we hold a fast and I'm like, Oh, two years, that's only 24 fast Sundays. I'm like, that's easy, you know? And it's just like kind of <laughs> yep. the same thing, just kind of break it down. Same thing. And I'm like, okay, 24 months, 24 hours in a day, you know, I sleep for eight hours. So that's eight months. And you know, that's a third of my mission, you know, just like these little <laughs> yep. things. Um, and, and I think that can, can really help people, you know, if you got those short-term milestones and then also those uh, those kind of longer term goals. Yep. What about when you're outdoors? So yeah, obviously I you started riding dirt bikes, and and it sounds like that's something that's fairly or relatively new. Is that how how did yeah. you how did you get yep, that? that? That is a completely brand new. I've never been on a motor motorized bicycle my entire life, and I'm about to be 26 years old. And I had wished if anyone is thinking about getting one, get it or test something out or whatever. Cause I had wished I'd gotten to this when I was five years old. Cause I've always thought, I always thought off-road like motorsports was awesome. I remember my uncle for like my sixth birthday got me an ATV PS2 game and I played the crap out of that. I just love motocross and I always wanted a dirt bike, just never got into it. I have a very close friend that's into, he grew up. And his father, too, grew up in Harleys, grew up dirt bike and all that. And uh, he was talking. I was like, hey, I'm thinking about getting a dirt bike again. I'm like, hey, I'm all with you. I'll get one with you. Just teach me. And uh, I probably didn't go about it the smartest way. I went just went and bought a brand new one because the, the used market was nothing around me. So I was like, screw it. Never got on one before. Bought a brand new one. Well, financed it. And uh, he took me in his back lawn. He's a big, open, wide open space. And he taught me. And. Luckily, I picked it all up. I think I'm a natural because he said I was. I learned it quick. I didn't. I still haven't dropped the thing. Uh, like that was my first time, like doing manual and whatnot on a bike, and I was able to pick it up. But it is. I don't. It's a blast. In this last week, and I had up there. I he he wasn't able to come up with me, so it was just pretty much my myself. And uh, I, I came back to the camp, and I'm like, man, I feel like this thing's already paid off. Like, I just had so much fun. I've never had this experience in my life. And it's not even like a crazy experience. I'm sure everyone's four-wheeled and whatnot. And, but I don't know, just being on my own, adventuring, doing something brand new is just a new experience I haven't felt since I was a kid. That's awesome. And, and that's cool, especially because, I mean, you, you were no stranger to the outdoors. So that's, that's really cool that even with a lifetime of uh, outdoors and wilderness experience, there's still something new for you to do. And, you know, yeah, it would have been great if you'd start when you're five years old, but yeah, you know, I, I think you can really appreciate it now more so than, than you might've, if it had always been a, a staple for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was the other thing too, is I'm like, I already love being in the woods, you know, I already love all that. And I already appreciate it so much, but this just gave me like a whole nother step. This just gave me way more to appreciate more to do. And I'm driving around all these places near my camp, places I know in the back of my hand, and I'm like discovering all this new stuff. And I was like rolling around in my own thing. I mean, oh, that's cool. That's a turtle shell. I'm going to take that with me. And I'm just like, like, again, I felt like I was a 12 year old again. 
That's so cool. I, I think that's important for, for people to, to kind of rediscover things that they already know really well. That, that's something I've really appreciated about having you know, my daughter. Uh, she's six. And, and so I've been rereading to her you know, a lot of the stories that I loved growing up that I had almost forgotten about, you know, or some, something like, Oh, I forgot about, or that I can appreciate more now uh, that I'm older. And I think that's awesome. I mean, I've never ridden a dirt bike either. Uh, last year, I, we were at Bear Lake in Utah and I, I got to rent one of those side-by-sides and we went up in, into the hills and saw a couple moose and it was a blast. And so, yeah, I think, and one thing, I like that thread that you did where you talked about how, yeah, ATVs and four wheelers and side-by-sides, those are awesome, but there's something to be said about the mobility and versatility of a dirt bike. Cause you can get places that, that a four wheeler couldn't. Yeah. That was one of my first, uh, one of the first things I just noted, cause I grew up on four wheelers, the utility ones. Uh, that's pretty much the most of it that I've ever rode as a kid. And uh, that was like my first thought because I was, when I was getting a dirt bike, my dad's like, oh, you're going to regret it. Just get a four wheeler. That's what you want. You know, and I'm like, nah, I've kind of always wanted this. I'm going to just go with it. And that was the first thing I was thinking. It was like all these really cool places I was getting to. There's absolutely no way a four wheeler truck or anything else would have been able to get into it unless you got off of it and walked. That would have been the only way. So like that right there, I was like, man, this is kind of cool. And it was just like, people don't look at, or people look at those bikes and they're like, ah, it's just for fun. But I'm like, there could be some practical use to these. I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting places I shouldn't. I was going off trail and everything and just kind of like going through trees, like no problem and still quicker than running or walking. I'm like, yeah, there's, there's something more to this for sure. I love that. And, and have you thought about you getting a GoPro uh, on your helmet and you know, making some, some videos or anything? I think that would be. Yeah. It was a, cool. uh, that was something I was thinking immediately when I was on these trails, I'm by myself. So I was like, I wish I could just show my buddy. I was like, man, I can see myself getting a damn GoPro right now because that's all I wanted to like. I just wanted to show people that view that, uh, that I just couldn't describe or whatnot. And uh, it was funny. I'm talking about it out loud and the social media algorithm hears me and it's showing me deals and discounts on GoPros. <laughs> Come on. I know, man, that it's, it's uncanny. It's so frustrating. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's, yeah, like that's just uh, unfortunate, the unfortunate reality. So you, you shared such a, a great example of that suffering. What's, what's something, you know, obviously you're very adept outdoors, but have you ever had an experience outdoors that you're like, oh, shoot, like this is uncomfortable or this didn't work out the way I, I planned? Uh, yeah. There was most recent, I went up with a buddy and then met up with another buddy that lived around there. And I was trying out, because I'm also into like backpacking and being able to carry a good amount of my gear with me and, you know, still remaining compact and light whatnot. And I picked up uh, a bivy from REI, I think it was called their super light. And uh, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. It's very light. It's very small and compact. It's big enough. It's basically a body bag. It just, you know, it's big enough just for you in a sleeping bag. You know, it says it's waterproof, three season, whatever. And this is the middle of summer. I put, yeah, I lay that out. We're going to bed. It's summertime, probably 75 degrees. It starts raining. Next thing you know, it's sweating on the inside. You can't breathe out of it at all. So I start to unzip it, pouring rain in my face. Uh, the bag starts filling up with water. I have, I have to keep like kicking it off. Uh, 
And the next thing you know, it's like leaking from the inside. And I, I just remember just like sitting here soaked. And then with, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but you're, you're so tired. You just don't care. And you literally think you can sleep <laughs> through it. I like gave it too long before I finally just said F this and got out. And I slept in my truck. Uh, but yeah, that was, that's probably the most recent. Uh, something light like that. I, I don't know unless, unless you're talking about like cryptids or something like that. I don't really have any other experiences. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely would love to hear about the cryptids too. But no, that that's a fantastic example. And I think like, and I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate, you know, just you know, getting getting cold and wet. I mean, that that's that's serious stuff. And if you've never been cold and wet, it's it, it can be a real shock. And even if you are very experienced, you know, that can that can turn. Uh, potentially dangerous real quick. Uh, I, I uh, work outdoors now and, and it's been raining this whole spring and, you know, so I'll be mowing uh, lawns and it's just pouring. I'm just soaked. And when I, I took the, the kids uh, from church out camping a couple years ago, we uh, canoed and kayaked out to this island and we were in the Puget Sound and it was a really breezy day. It was super choppy. And, and I was on a kayak and some of the kids, you know, one, one kid was just not contributing to, to uh, his, his canoe mates and, and wasn't paddling and they were kind of fighting. So I kayaked over to them and then they started tipping. And then one of them like reached out to grab my kayak and swamped me. So I'm, <laughs> I just get soaked. And, you know, it took forever to, to get back in. I lost my knife. You know, I'm just super wet. We get to the island and we're not even allowed to have fires on there. So I had to oh, go to, man. yeah. And it's like, sun's going down. It was October. Um, you know, it's pretty mild in, in Washington state, but, you know, had to go to bed cold and, and wet. And so it's just, yeah, I think those are, like you said, those are good character building things. And I'm not saying, you know, you should, uh, necessarily do that, but you know, definitely put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And if you don't feel like going outside, if it's cold in the house, don't turn on the heat. Just you know, put on a sweater. You know, just like little things like that. It's it's funny. I I feel like I'm nuts when I do things like that. But uh, in the middle of winter, um, like when I know my body's shifting from like you know fall to winter, it's getting really cold, and it's so funny how it'll be like. 30 degrees and I'm like shivering to the bone and then give it a couple of weeks. You adjust the temperature at 19 degrees. It's no problem. It's like, you feel like, you know, you feel fine. And it was doing that. So I was like, screw this. I just stopped riding home with the heat on on purpose. So I could like adjust that. And I'm like around the house. I mean, like, and I'm not even doing this from like a budget perspective. I kind of just do it to tough myself out and the budget shit, you know, that helps too. But yeah, I'm like, I just want to little things, like you said, just little things like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just like those small investments, you know, you just get a little bit stronger, just 1% better, 1% tougher every yep. day. Uh, yeah. So tell me about the cryptids. Uh, that sound, uh, sound like a good story. Well, I don't like to disappoint, but uh, nothing woodland related, but I did hands down without a doubt, see a UFO uh, with my buddy when we were, we were out on an underway uh, off the coast of Norfolk. Middle of the night, I think it was like three in the morning. Yeah, we saw one of those infamous orbs of light. Middle of the night. Or I'll, I'll tell the story a little bit better. It was, yeah, uh, probably, what year was it? Maybe 2018, maybe 2017. Buddy and I, we were on a night shift. 
but on this particular time, we weren't doing anything serious or, you know, mission related. So we didn't really have anything to do. We went out, we called this the back porch. And it was just the very back end of the carrier. <clears throat> and uh, we just chilled out there, just, you know, bull crap, shot the whatever, and uh, just talked about everything. And I remember seeing like kind of almost a lemon shape object coming out at pretty much just before the horizon. And it was like orangish yellow. And we're like, what is that? You know, we stopped completely as, and it was just slowly emerged. And we're like, that's not the sun rising, you know? And I'm like, it's three in the morning. Sun doesn't rise until like around 6.30. And, you know, we were just looking at it. I'm like, that's not the moon. I look behind me. The moon's at like a 45 degree angle behind my head. I'm like, huh, <laughs> there's nothing else this could be. Unless someone else is hearing this and they could explain to me what that was. Because it was almost as bright as the sun. And, you know, we weren't wrapped around the globe. We were just, you know, a few miles off the coast. And uh, I mean, nothing happened. We watched it. It stayed just a little bit above water and then went back down slowly. And like, that was that. And we just looked at each other. We're like, well, we just saw a UFO. Man, that's crazy. I love yep, stories it, like that. Yeah, it was, uh, there was one time that we were camping up north too. And we, we thought this was UFO. It was that uh, SpaceX uh, Starlink system. Are yes. you aware of that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I driving back from Texas. I saw him like, what in the world is this? We were in the middle of absolute nowhere in the middle of the woods, far from anything. And we had one buddy asleep and two others and me around the fire, just having a couple beers and whatnot chatting. And I see that and I'm looking, I'm like, I'm like, am I tripping balls right now? Like, what is that? Cause there was like, I kept seeing, it was through the tree. So I wasn't seeing the whole thing. I kept seeing a star go by star go by star go by in a straight line same speed and i'm like whoa and i like back up and i got up because i was just sitting by the fire and i'm like guys tell me you see that too so they stop they look one guy grabs the, uh his night vision goggles to see through it better uh one guy was passed out we woke him up and he's like what are you waking me up from like, you want to see something crazy right now i'd get up and we're watching it and like the whole night we were pranked the whole night we thought we just experienced some crazy crap Come to find out, oh, it's the Starling system. We were so bummed out. I was like, man, I wish it was real. <laughs> yeah, man, it it's so cool. And and I feel like we're kind of getting, I mean, obviously there are some useful advances in technology, but I also feel like we're getting kind of robbed and we're getting kind of desensitized that our sense of wonder is getting subverted because you know, people will see, you know, things and they're like, oh, it's probably just that. Oh, it's right. You know, like I remember seeing a drone for the first time at night. I'm like, what is that? You know? And then it's like, oh, it's a drone, you know? And it's just like, yeah. uh, it, it's disappointing. And I think that people are, are they're, they're getting so much harder, not, not necessarily to please, but to believe in things or, or to be interested or excited about things because they try and w rationalize it away because there are so many more possibilities. Well, yeah, I got to the point not too long ago where I was like, I don't care. I hate science. I absolutely hate science, all of it, because it just takes away from that natural wonder. And it's like an excuse to, to experience like explain like God's many miracles. Like you can't just, there's always that guy where you're looking at something that's beautiful, gorgeous, whatever, mysterious. And then it's like, oh, it's really just cause this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and it's like, man, shut up. Just let me enjoy it. 
I don't care what your reasoning is. Like, I just want to like, just take the step back because that's what it is. Like you said, it's like being desensitized. Like you can't really just truly enjoy purity anymore. It's gotta be, it's gotta be looked at from a different perspective. Like, Oh, that's not, that's not God's creation. That's, that, that's just science. Some, you know, that's simple and little, Oh, that's just that you're not seeing shooting stars. That's just a, that's just a, whatever that uh, satellite, you know, it just takes away from beauty. It's just like an excuse to not enjoy something anymore. I feel like for, for people that come from like an atheist perspective and I'm not necessarily trying to talk crap, but like every atheist I've ever met is very pessimistic about everything. It's like, you can't enjoy things without that reasoning for, I don't know why, like they need a reason to enjoy things. Yeah. That's really well said. Uh, another story when I, when I was a missionary, uh, so you're probably familiar with the Bible and uh, John, the revelator, he was blessed to, to not taste of death and he wanted to, to remain uh, on, on earth, you know, forever, um, you know, until the Savior's second coming. And there's also that tradition in the Book of Mormon, uh, the disciples in the New World, there were three, they, they, they're called Nephites. And uh, after the Savior's resurrection, that's what they want. So they want. So there's always been a tradition in our church that, oh, there are these three Nephites who you know, are immortal and, and still on the earth. And when I was a missionary in Peru, uh, I was you know, having kind of a hard time. And this stranger just walked up to me and you know, he was pretty lean super shredded. He had on this leather jerkin and nothing else, you know, and, and some breeches, shoulder length, black hair. And he had a, a Falcon on his shoulder and he just put his hand on my shoulder and looked in my eyes and said, you have a great smile, you know, keep smiling and then walked away. And I was like, oh, that was one of the three <laughs> Nephites, you know, it was like um, these ancient Americans. And, and I, I think like that it's exciting and whether or not it's true, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, just cause something isn't true doesn't mean you can't believe in it. Like I, I am convinced that Sasquatch is out there, you know, and that's why I love being in the Pacific Northwest is, is there's so many that that's a, that's a popular tradition here. Oh yeah. He's real. No doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> I won't argue that, but uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot of beauty with just, just wanting to believe choosing to believe or just actually believing like there's i don't know the, the second you try to take away that little bit of like humanity that we have that we just are you know we're, we've always been like this at the dawn of time it's just there's there's nothing good that can come from that yeah absolutely you know i it's a pretty popular debate you know like oh when to tell your kids like that oh santa's not real and all this stuff and you know we've always not real yeah right oh what <laughs> And so, yeah, obviously we, we try and, and focus on the true meaning of Christmas and, and, and the birth of Jesus Christ, but it's also fun. And I think that, you know, it's okay to, for kids to have fun. So, you know, we would just uh, always have that. We wouldn't, you know, be pushing the Santa narrative and we definitely weren't, you know, trying to disprove him. And then this last Christmas, uh, we were in, in a place here uh, in Washington called Leavenworth. And it's this little Bavarian village in, in the, the mountains. And it was awesome. And we're driving. And my six-year-old, uh, she's like, yeah, I know Santa's not real. And I was like, oh, uh, why do you think that? And then she like <laughs> listed all these reasons. And I was like, okay. Uh, and we didn't like say anything. And we went to a reindeer farm 
and they had a Santa Claus there. And she like grabs my hand and she's like, is that the real Santa? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> she, you know, she just kind of organically. So I went up to him and I didn't, you know, wasn't going to like, again, go either way. And I asked him like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, oh, it's my first year. So I told my daughter, I'm like, oh, it's his first year. And then she kind of like thinks on that. And she's like, oh, it's like that Santa Claus movie where the one Santa dies and then the he becomes and she's like, okay, I get it now, you know, and so she just like, (laughs) it makes sense to her. And she'll still build like little fairy houses out in the woods for the fairies. And it's, it's awesome to see that. And you're right. We have to hold on to, to that sense of wonder. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. What, what about you? What, what are uh, some, some other uh, traditions? Do you have any camping traditions or hunting traditions that, that your father you know, taught you or, or that you've carried on? Oh man. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I don't know if it's just like, it's so normalized to me that I can't, it doesn't really stand out, but I want to say anything like ritualistic. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Nothing necessarily comes to mind. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We just like that when that week comes around, hunting season opens up. It's just, you know, we tr- we just try to make it the best we can. Like we just we always have a good time. We bring food and drink that we want to bring, just have a blast and just like kind of just be ourselves. And it's like the only time you could, like, I really see my dad like that outside of the whole year. So I don't know, it, nothing necessarily uh, traditions or whatnot, but it's, it's always, it's always the same and in a good way. That's awesome. I love that. You know, and my, my mom, she loves camping and she's a great cook and she prefers to cook outdoors. And she just thinks food tastes so much better when you're camping. And I agree. uh, Oh, totally agree. Uh, It's just awesome. You're, you're hungrier. Uh, It it just, it feels like it does more for you that you process. Way more gratifying. Yep. Yeah, totally. Uh, And you know, one thing that we always did as a kid and I, I need to to reestablish this, uh, whenever we were camping, my mom would read uh, the the story, uh, the true story of the Lions of Savo. Hey, uh, did you ever see the Ghost in the Darkness with Val uh, Kilmer? I no, I don't think so. Oh, dude, you would love that movie. So, true story. Uh, I was this hunter who was brought in uh, to hunt these man-eating lions in Africa that had eaten uh, over three hundred people. Uh, these oh, wow. pair, these pair of lions, and uh, he he eventually killed them, uh, but it's just a crazy story. And uh, the lions, you know, they uh, I got to see the you know the taxidermied lions at the Museum of Natural History in in uh, Chicago, but incredible story. So it's a short book too. You know, this hunter's actual journal, uh, Lions of Savo, and then you, I think you'd love the movie too, uh, Ghost in the Darkness. But yeah, yeah look into that. Oh, it's awesome. And it's so fun reading it because I mean it's it's scary. Like these this guy hunting these lines and it's around the fire. And there's, you know, there's just the woods around you. So even though there are no lions around you, you just kind of get that in your mind. Um uh, yeah, what do you hunt with? Are are, are you a bow man? Are are you a rifle? What do you prefer? Uh, both we usually go out like through all the like the whole year you know there's different seasons set up for different things like right now you can uh you can turkey hunt um just i usually go with what you know what the season holds i usually only get lucky around muzzle loading season it's usually when i like i can bag a deer for some reason don't know why uh like that's when i got my first deer i believe when i was 10 years old it was just with the muzzle loader by myself 
was the middle of a field and uh, this big doe walked by and I think it was like maybe 70 yards out, 60 or 70 yards out. Now it, it was a perfect shot. It was my first one ever. Wow. That's um, a good shot too. I mean, that's, that's 60, 70 yards. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. I remember shaking like a branch in the wind just and uh, like I said, I was by myself too. So I was like making sure I was doing everything right and whatnot. Cause my dad was posted up somewhere else, but uh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I recently got a crossbow. I got that last season. Cause the season before that I had used my dad's crossbow and I got a deer with it and I looked at it and I'm like, man, that was, that was nice because I kind of have a slight shoulder issue and pulling back a bow sometimes is a pain. So I don't necessarily, I don't know. I kind of just fell out of the compound bow thing. Uh, but yeah, it's usually just crossbow or rifle uh, lever action or muzzle loader. Uh, I told myself I was going to hunt with a, an AK next year just because why not? Yeah. You know, they say, yeah, they say the ballistics after hitting a, a body is similar to what did they say? I forgot what they said it was similar to, but it, it seems like it's good enough. So I'm going to try that out. That'll be awesome. What else do you, do you, what, what is your uh, EDC look like when, when you're in the woods and just camping? Uh, definitely a sidearm holster. Uh, right now, I don't have any good outside the waistband. So I, I've just been rocking the inside the waistband ones. Um, good pants gotta have good pants a good belt uh I usually i usually just keep my pocket knife on the side as a kid before i could have a gun i definitely had this big at you know big big knife on my uh, on my hip um but yeah i keep a lighter on me just if i'm walking on the roads usually all i need is just the sidearm and whatever else that's but awesome a, yeah but if it's a bigger hike of course i got a little bit more you know, medical stuff with me and whatnot yeah. And do, do you bring much trail food or are you just kind of live off the land? Oh yeah. I definitely bring trail food. Even if I planned on living off the land, just because you never know. Uh, there's been times where I, I had planned on living off the land and it just never works out uh, where you just, you just can't see any life around and you're just like, man, you know what the heck. And then when you're out there not trying to do that, you see, it, you see it everywhere. It's always how it goes. Um, yeah. For real. <laughs> But, you know, I usually like to get those, uh, those backpacker like meals. You just boil up water and throw into, I've eaten so many of those. I've been able, oh, I've yeah. been able to like narrow down, which are the good ones and the non good ones. And they're like pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally agree. We, uh, when I was a kid, we, we were on this hike. I was, I was like 17 and I was super excited for it. And all, all it was a long hike and all, all my friends, uh, you know, they just had like all the canned stuff. I'm like, man, that's going to be, that's going to be way too heavy. It was, it was a, tough hike so those are heavy yeah i was like no way man so i i baked hard tack you know like uh and you know it was just flour and water and i put in some spices but you know no no yeast so it wasn't gonna spoil and i baked that i dehydrated some fruit and i brought a collapsible fishing rod and uh, as soon as we got to this lake in, in five minutes I had a dozen trout and it was like, that's just what I ate the whole time. And that's awesome. it was, it was so much fun. I, I think like that, that's something that, yeah, you know, every kid should catch a fish, you know, every oh, yeah. man should catch a fish. You know, I think that's super yeah, important. Even though I lived in the suburbs growing up, there was a big pond in this neighborhood. And that is like when I really started, well, you know, outside of like going on trips with my dad, I was like seven years old and I'd get his, uh, what was it called? Ugly stick. Yeah. That brand. 
yeah, I'd get his ugly stick fishing pole and I'd go back out there and it was not far from the backyard and I would just, I'd catch bass all day. It was just, it was just catch and return. And it was, it was a blast. I did that for many years. Oh man. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, I mentioned my family cabin that, that we used to have on the shore of uh, Lake of Minnesota. And I remember I, we were using uh, the, these frog lures and I was not getting any bites. I saw all these sunfish swimming around and my sister's on a neighboring dock and I hear her just start screaming. And she was like, I was like six and she was four and she's like getting pulled along the dock. <laughs> so my dad comes out and she caught like this huge Northern pike and Man. Uh, yeah, it was wild, but yeah, I, I, it's so much fun. And I, I feel like things like streaming services and, and all these screens, they're really robbing kids of an outdoor experience. So how can, you know, you know, people who might not have grown up the, the way you did, how can they discover the outdoors, um, you know, and not feel so intimidated by it? Um, it's a good question, but you know, intimidation just, I don't know, usually comes from different people. Like some people can just jump into things like that. No problems. People can't, but I mean, I think there's, I mean, granted it depends on where you're at and it can be very varied, but uh, like I said, I grew up in this little area I lived in. It was just nothing but neighborhoods, but we'd get on our bikes and we'd go pretty far. And there was still a lot of woods around us, whether it was owned by a company or not, we had, we would just get in there and that's just where we hung out. That's just where we did things. Uh, whether like when we just, just exploring or when we got older, we started playing airsoft back there and stuff like that. And it's, I mean, in this area, it'd be fine, easy to find like a, a corner of the woods. But if you live in the city, and you really got to travel to get out. There's, there's really no advice I can give. Just, just do it. Just don't, uh, don't wait on it. Just get out there. If you want that experience and you feel like you need it, you. I mean, you absolutely do need it. But if you have that urge to get out there, just absolutely go with it. Don't, don't put it off. You'll regret it. Amen to that. Yeah, I, I think you know probably everybody listening to it. There's probably a decent day hike spot within an hour's drive. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think that that is kind of cool that it's becoming popular, even if it does you know come with with some extra baggage. I think people do want to appreciate the the outdoors, uh, even if it's just kind of kind of surface level. So yeah, I think you know those day hikes, getting out there, um, yeah, just get getting off the trail, getting into nature is, is so important. Uh, what is one of the most fun experiences that you've had? You know, you, you mentioned you know bagging your first year, and we talked about some some hard things like getting rained out, uh, but but what's been one of the most transcendent experiences you've had in the woods? Oh man. Uh... I mean, that is the first thing that comes to mind is like my first, my first deer, my first squirrel. Uh, I don't necessarily think I have one moment in particular. It's just, it's just all the moments. It's like every time I go out there, it's not like I'm, even the times I'm rained on, it's like, that was still a, that was still a great weekend. Sure. Yeah. I didn't get that much sleep that night, but <laughs> like, I wasn't upset. I, what my, my night wasn't, or my day wasn't ruined the next day. And, you know, I was still, I was still able to go on like a six mile hike and have a blast and, it just, I don't know. It's just, it's every moment. I've never had a negative moment out there that, uh, 
it was too much for me not to run a return. I, yeah, I can't think of a particular moment. I, I mean, it definitely is probably my first time bagging a deer. That's awesome. No, I, I totally agree. You know, it's just, it's just good to be outdoors. It's really hard to, uh, to feel bad about yourself or to, you know, feel depressed or, you know, to, to worry about social media or whatever, uh, when you're out of cell range and, and when you're surrounded by nature and there's so much to look at, like, I mean, you've talked about it, these trails and, and these woods that, you know, like the back of your hand, as soon as you get on a dirt bike, you're seeing it, you know, from a different angle, different perspective than you ever have. And it's, uh, it can still be new. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. And I always try to give myself a rule when I get out there too. It's like, I, I try not to be on my phone and, uh, that, that's just, that's something I'm, I do every time now. Like I'll keep my phone, like I'll take pictures and whatnot, but when it comes to social media and keeping up with engagements on Instagram and Twitter and keeping up with comments and messages, I just, I make a post usually on Instagram. I'll just say, Hey, I'm not going to respond to you guys till next Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And, that, that's that's important to do too a lot of people talk about being out in the woods they'll get out in the woods and they're just on their phone the entire time a lot of like a lot of fake people that claim to be like super woodsy and super whatnot they're just doing what they do anywhere just around trees and i think yeah. it's important to really make a turn off a switch you know and just to get to the real reason why you're out there absolutely that that's really well said i, I like that i think yeah i and you see people, and obviously there are waterfalls and, and trees and vistas and all these things to see that that would make for a popular uh, Instagram post or whatever. But I, I think even if that's what you're going for, I think, you know, take a picture, you know, get a selfie, whatever, but don't, you know, maybe don't post it until you're back in civilization. So you're not, you know, constantly getting notifications and looking at all the likes, you know, just just enjoy yep. it. Yep. That's what I did this last weekend. Uh, I waited till the last day, last couple hours of daylight to, to do a couple of gun drills and couple practicing and whatnot. And I was like, you know, I'm set up the camera, get some, get some pictures and whatnot. And then I didn't worry about it or look at them or, or edit them until way later when I was at work that night. And that's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Just, you take your pictures, put it back in your pocket. That's awesome. So how did you come to, you know, I get the the pine watch and the pine draugr is is kind of your your mainstay and and your persona. I uh I kind of remember the day. I remember the exact moment when I was like, you know, I, I felt like I really wanted to do branding, you know, and and kind of just making an image and whatnot. And I was it was in the middle of deployment actually. We had ported in Bahrain, and I think if I could, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but it was a beautiful hotel. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but, uh, apparently the only, the one, only if you ask anyone, Hey, what do you do around bar rain? What's one thing you do while you're here? Everyone says brunch, do the brunches. They go, they go nuts for the brunches. So we did one of those and it was a great experience, but I remember it was like, uh, it was like a bottomless drinking piece. You'd pay like $130 copay us. And it was all you can eat, all you can drink. And it was like, and Bahrain didn't have anything else to do. Honestly, there was almost no entertainment to that city. And it was, this place is like big, you know, it's kind of like a mini New York. So we're like, all right, well, I guess this is all we're doing. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, we're all Navy sailors. So drinking is a pastime. And, uh, yeah, we definitely, <laughs> we definitely out drank the, the, like what we paid just for drinks alone. But I remember being pretty, uh, pretty drunk and out of it. And 
I was looking at, what was I looking at? I was looking at Mike Muzz shop of the, the merch he was making way back then. And I was like, because I, I, I always loved that vibe and what he was about and that imagery he was using. And he really started the whole pine thing. I'm pretty sure he's the forefather of all that. And uh, because it was more than just a tree, you know, it was more of like a kind of like, kind of like an idea, but now it's just like a, now that pine is just kind of like an image of like-minded dudes that just kind of love nature, really simplified and boiled down to that. But I remember in the moment being really out of it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then as soon as we like, I had like the rest of the deployment, I put a lot of things in my notes, diddled some things, you know, just drew them out and then like kept things in my notes, had a list of ideas and tested it out. I don't know, maybe the really, really old followers know that like it was like, I think it was called like blonde fashion or something like that. And uh, I ran a lot of drafts of that and that kicked up really good. A lot of, a lot of people had support for that. And I still didn't even have that many followers back then. And then changed it to a different name and that one wasn't as good for optics and I understand why and I changed it again to pine watch and went three feet on the gas pedal like I, I thought I did before and I had learned so much from the branding I was doing before and just the new experiences with that and then just really refined it to this now and I'm, I'm very happy where it's at everyone else seems very happy I get a lot of a lot of a lot of support and I can't be more grateful. And every day it's, it's still shocking that I do this. And I tell people, I, I really do not do it for the money. I try to keep uh, the products at a, an affordable price. So yeah, I could, I could charge 30 bucks a t-shirt, but it doesn't make sense to, it's not worth it. I wouldn't want to pay that much for a t-shirt. And to me, I, like I said, I don't do it for money. I, I work full time. To me, what gets me off is people want to wear it. People want to represent, they want to be a part of this. And that was the one thing I say too on one of my sites is like, uh, I don't like brands. I don't like walking around repping Nike or Adidas. A lot of people put so much tribalism into these brands, like they got to be a part of it. And I'm like, I have never seen a brand I've ever felt like any of that for. But I'm like, I want to make something for guys like us. And I want to call, I want to call it our brand. I don't want to say it's mine. Usually when I have designs, I have a couple buddies. I, I bounce ideas off of, I let them see it first. I have a telegram channel. I usually uh, put things in there first and I'm like, this is like, if, if you don't want to wear this or this isn't something that represents how we think or are or whatnot, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to put it out. It's like, it's really, I try to make it a group effort. Man, that's awesome. And, and I, I can really tell that too, because I, I was looking at, at the shop, you know, at your wares and, you know, most places like even at uh, like a local gym, that just has, you know, a, a cheap hoodie with the, the gym logo is 50 bucks and you, yep. yeah. And you, your hoodies are, are really uh, affordable. You got the patches. Um, yeah. It's awesome stuff, man. And it, the designs are so, so cool. And do you see, uh, I mean, how often do you think you'll be rolling out new designs or, or you know, what's, what's kind of the plan there? Um, I try to keep it decently spaced out mainly because of my time and scheduling how much, because usually coming up with the idea and getting that all into works, it's half of it, especially when I run patches, it is a lot of work afterwards, after people buy them. And I got to, I, like I said, I do this all by myself. So the designing that stuff's easy to me, but the shipping and all the logistics and whatnot, that takes a lot of time. And I, and I really try to be good about not taking too long to do it and also working full-time. 
So I, I try to space it out so I don't overdo myself. Uh, but I also don't want to make too much because I know I've seen people, I've seen people do that before with their small branding where they just pump things out like that. And I don't think that, uh, that necessarily works. People get burnt out on something. I was like, I want to, and I'm always, one of my mottos is quality over quantity. Like it's not a, I do not need to have 20, you know, 25 things. I need five great things and that's it. And, uh, I try to, I try to do it like that. Oh, I totally agree. And, and I remember, you know, when you rolled out the, the pine jogger, uh, and it's so cool. I mean, it looks awesome. I, I'm looking at the, the shop right now and you got some, some great hoodies and I see the pine jogger. Uh, you got the classic crew net sweatshirt. Have you thought about doing a hoodie with that, with the pine there jogger? Should, there should, there should, be. should be a hoodie. Yeah, there should oh. be. Oh, good. If you open, I'll, yep. I'll find it. Yeah, if you open up any of the ones with it on there, they should get the options. Oh, but yeah, good. that was. Let me pull up. Yeah, because I was, I was like, oh man, all these look so good. I was really hoping for a hoodie with that. But yeah, and I, I can really tell that you, know, you put some good, you know, some real passion into it, uh, which speaks volumes because, like you said, you're you're not it for the money. You work full time, and everybody has been posting when they've been getting the shirts or getting the sweaters. And I just think that's, that's just awesome. You've built a, a really solid community and you're very inclusive to, you know, to not call it strictly yours, but, but uh, all your guys. So that's just awesome. Where, where do you see this going now? Obviously you've got tons of followers. You got tons of guys getting out there getting after it and where where would you like to to see this go or, or are you just you know letting the the trail take you guys um yeah i was gonna say that is uh i don't necessarily need to have you know loads of followers loads of sales keep it going like that uh like i i've you know, even a year ago, I feel comfortable where I'm at, even if it's just a couple guys, like it's just, I remember the first time someone bought something that I didn't know personally, it was like, just such a cool feeling. And it's just like, man, if I go out in town one day and I see someone wearing something of one of mine, I'm like, man, that's just like, that'd make it all worth it right there. And I don't have to, I don't have a, I don't have a huge long-term goal. I'm going to take it as it goes. I'm not saying I'm trying to be one of the biggest pages out there. I like, I like where it's at right now. I like that it is, you know, we're all pretty engaging with each other. You know, like most people that have bought something have almost always reached out to me. Someone like whether they were just sending me a picture of them with it, or they're talking about me or they're saying they like it or they or whatever. It's so much engagement through that. And to me, that's kind of what's more, most important. I don't need, I'm not looking for numbers necessarily. I, I would like to keep having the conversations and new ones. That'd be even better. I love that, dude. It's, it, you know, that, that really makes it so powerful when you see somebody, you know, that you didn't know before representing. Uh, I remember one of my friends uh, who's come back from deployment, sent me a picture and uh, it, it was uh, this soldier who was reading one of my books. And I was like, holy cow, like that was just so surreal. And, and it's yeah, a, real it a great compliment. Book. Yeah. And ha have you thought about writing a book? I know you've got a a million things going on, but you're so well-spoken and you've got so many stories. It would be so cool if you were to, 
I know you got tons of irons in the fire, but if you ever thought about it, I would read the heck out of that book. <laughs> uh, I already did write a very small, uh, I guess you could, I, I think I was calling it a manual. I wrote that, I wrote the meat of it towards the end of deployment. I had a lot of inspiration when I was reading a lot of these other books and mixing my mindset into things and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you know, it kind of died. I kind of like, I, uh, it went around some good friends and whatnot. And then it just, I kind of never came back to it. Uh, I had a lot of a few people reading it. Maybe people who are listening to this know it. Uh, I've heard nothing bad about it. A lot of people liked it. They said it was written very well. It's a, it's a little, it's short, you know, it's not long. Like I said, it's, it's more put out like a manual. And I did think about putting it out at one point. Uh, maybe I should, but it, it does talk about a little bit of, uh, like it talked about suffering, it talked about that into some greater, maybe a little bit more artistic, poetic style, you know, a little bit more detailed. Um, I talk about a couple other things too, but um, yeah, maybe I should put that out at some point. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. And and I'm looking at your link tree right now. So you, you got the wares, you got the patch, you got Instagram, you've got uh, some some songs that that shred on on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to see those. Uh, and and what's the Twitch? I see that on there as well. Ah, uh, that's something. Uh... That's something I still always think about doing, but never get around to. I did it like a couple times because I, every now and then I like the game. I had really, really taken a step back after growing into this mindset more because I was like, you know, you know, video games are distracting. I know too many people that make that their lives. And I'm like, I try to do it every now and then. Like if I'm bored, I come home from work. There isn't a whole lot to do. I feel like, you know, having some stimulation that I can't really get anywhere else. Yeah, I'll play a couple games or whatever. Uh but I don't know. I kind of always thought that'd be fun. That'd be kind of a, I've done it a couple of times and I, I would like to have that engagement as well of, you know, streaming and doing something and then engaging to people that way. It's always a different, fresher way to do things. I know I thought about it. I may or may not return. I don't know. It depends if people want it. Yeah. Well, I think people are, would love to see some of the, the GoPro footage. If, if you get that uh, from, from your rides. Yeah, I think I might do that. Um, I don't know how long ago you were following me, but I did do YouTube for a little bit. I uh, did a couple episodes of just me doing things in the woods and whatnot. And looking back, I didn't really care for it. I took some of them down, but uh, some of them are still up. But I don't know. I thought about going back into it. We'll see. I could make it kind of dirt bike related. We'll see. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. It's I, I feel like so many people get discouraged because there are so many options. You know, there's so many things that that you can do. You know, you can you can start a podcast, you can write a book, you can have a big Twitter following, you can have the Instagram, you can have the YouTube, uh, and it can just seem kind of overwhelming. But but like you said, you don't have to have this end goal. You know, you don't have to be holding out for a million followers. Just do stuff, and if you like it, great. If you don't, take it down or whatever. But I feel like all these things that we do, like even this conversation you and I are having, it's like a journal entry. And, you know, who knows years from now, you know, our, our kids or, or, you know, somebody might, might get something of value out of this conversation and you just never know. And you just put it out there and you just create stuff. So I think you're doing a, a really important thing. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, and I hope the same for you too. And when you asked me to get on this podcast, uh, 
I, I thought about, I was like, you know, I had a little bit of doubt. I was like, well, at first I was like, nah, I don't know. And then I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I haven't, I haven't really reached out in this, in this type of way before, or, you know, talked. And uh, I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, is this something that will stick around for a while? And I don't know if people are trying to meet me better or know me better. I mean, and uh, I don't know, I can look back at this episode in 10 years and see how things are. See absolutely. how things have changed and whatnot. Yeah. 100%. And we definitely love to, have you back on and I know you're super busy and we've been going for over an hour. So thank you so much for, for everything and for what you shared. Any, any last parting words of advice before we get all our listeners outside and, and into the woods? <laughs> um, no, nah, just, uh, just enjoy life. Uh, follow Christ. And that's it. That's like, that's all you got to do. God wants you to have a good life. So just have one. Amen. Well, thank you again, brother. Thank you for everything you've done for this country. Thank you for everything you're doing for the regular guys who, who want to get after it and, and get out into the woods. And thank you for, for holding that line and, and for uh, blazing those trails. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for having me on. I really like this. Oh, dude, it's been awesome. And for all you listeners, uh, get outdoors right now. Just go outside, open your window, breathe some fresh air and uh, get into those woods. And until next time, this has been Brett and Pine Draugr out.